Good morning. How are you guys doing? You doing well? Everyone had their, uh, their morning java, their morning coffee? Anyone? My amazing husband has our coffee go up at 5.30 a.m., so it just this aroma starts filling our home. Like, I can, I can make it through this day because coffee is ready. Can, it, can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Well, uh, I just want to personally invite you as well to uh, Dana Jackson's homegoing service this uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. And man, what an incredible woman and friend. I know my life was deeply impacted by Dana. I'm trying to remember, I think I was probably about nine or ten years old when I first met her, and just what a pillar she has been and was in this house. And so I just want to invite you, let's honor her life and honor um, Dave and the family and just come and celebrate the, the legacy she leaves and the life that she lived. Amen. So love to have you guys join us uh, this Saturday. And you can turn um, your Bible to the book of James chapter 3. And as many of you know, we are, we've been in a series on the book of James. Um, and uh, for those that maybe um, have not been here, you can go and watch any of the services on YouTube and, and, and uh, catch uh, what we've been going through. But the book of James uh, was a bo- is a book in the New Testament, and uh, it was written a few decades um, after Jesus rose from the dead. And it was written by a man by the name of James, uh, who was actually Jesus's um, natural brother. And we know that James ended up having an encounter um, with Jesus, not just as his brother, but recognizing he truly is the son of God. He's the living God. And so his life was radically transformed. He became, James became a pillar in the early church. He became a leader in the early church. And uh, the book of James really is kind of a, a manifesto of how should our faith work itself out in how we live. And it really, if, you're, if you want a book that's going to um, uh, challenge you and encourage you all at the same time, it is the book of James. It really shows us how to put our faith in action, how to take what God's done in our life and let it change our day in and day out living. And, and so this morning, we are coming to James chapter 3, and, uh, and I just have a warning that the subject matter of today's topic is... Um, convicting. Uh, you, might, you may find today a urge to apologize to somebody. Uh, it may cause you to cry out, oh Lord, help me, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's difficult. We're talking about the tongue. And I would just like to say that in choosing all of these topics, um, I'm not really sure why they chose me to talk about the tongue. I think actually Pastor Steve and the team were like, this is a subtle way to have Natalie begin to address this problem of how she communicates. I think maybe my husband actually uh, sowed a little money and seed to say, have Natalie just study in depth on the power of words. <laughs> but I think if there is a topic where we, uh, this whole book of James, it, it's hitting home, it hits us where we live, but there, I don't think there is a human on planet Earth who can speak that says that they couldn't get a little better in the way they communicate. Can I hear an amen? And so this, uh, you know, they say, you know, if the hat fits or the glove fits, wear it. I think this morning the message is about to hit home. Can I hear an amen? You know, I remember uh, when, when my brothers and I all got our permits and it was the first time or, or around the first time we were going to get to ride in the car with my dad and he began to teach us Somewhere in that early stage, he would have a conversation with, to my knowledge, all of us, and he would say, this car you're about to get in, 
Uh, it's not just a vehicle, it's not just an automobile that gets you from point A to point B, but it's a 2,000 pound weapon. And the vehicle you're driving, uh, if you don't handle it properly and you don't handle it correctly, uh, it, it has the potential to destroy your life and to destroy other people. And at a very early onset of us learning to drive, he wanted us to recognize that there's great potential in this vehicle you drive. But if, uh, if not used with care and intentionality, it can be that of great destruction. And I think when we look at the subject of our words and our tongue, and we're going to see that Scripture shows us, is that it is not something to be taken flippantly or lightly, but it is something that holds within it great power and potential for life or death. In our mouth, we hold the power to bring great fruitfulness or to bring destruction that can destroy beyond our lifetime. And so in James, we see in James chapter 1, he gives us a heads up that we're going to be hitting on the tongue. In James 1.26, it says this, that if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but, uh, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So chapter 1, James comes in saying, hey, listen, if you think you're religious but you don't know how to control your tongue, you can just recognize that your religion is worthless. Like, that's ouch. That's really quiet. You guys are like, we're not saying nothing. We're not saying nothing. Yeah. And so then we come to James chapter 3, and, and, and we're going to read a chunk of scripture here. Um, we'll actually launch with verse 2 through 5. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Anyone who wins the war of their tongue could win the war of everything else. And he goes on to say, Scripture says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Let's pray and jump in. God, I thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it's life-giving, Lord, that it reveals the intentions of our heart, and God, that it's intended to be lived out. So, Lord, would you speak to us this morning and help us to put our faith into action, help us to apply these things in our life. May they change our lives. And, Lord, would you speak if there's anyone in this place that doesn't know you, we pray that you reveal yourself to them, Lord. We invite you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the first thought this morning as we look at the subject of taming the tongue is you can write down this acronym, I-F-T-T-T, -T -T, riveting. <laughs> Win the war before it starts. You see, verses 2 through 5, they, they actually reveal that the tongue is really the first indicator. It really is the indicator of inward transformation. And holiness, uh, uh, it's the revealer of holiness or not in our life. The first mark that James wants to point out is that if you want to see if a life's been transformed, listen to what the tongue says. The mouth will show. Holiness is revealed uh, not just in the way that we live, but it'll actually begin to show up in the way that we speak. 
And the greatest place to win the war, you know, Jesus first, he spoke in, in Matthew chapter 12. He says, hey, you want to know the indicator of your heart? It's your mouth. That the mouth will always reveal what's on the inside. And so the tongue is, is so crucial in what we speak. And you say, when's the best time to win a war? How about before it even starts? And there's so many battles in our life. There's so many places of temptation. There's so many places of sin and compromise that can be stopped and, and, and ended before they ever start as we make a decision to bridle our tongue, just to begin and to even listen to what our mouth is speaking because our mouth will always reveal what's going on in our hearts. You see, there's a, a thing in... In 2010, there was an internet service that was started, uh, a programming, and it was called If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T. And the idea was that there was a service started that, it would, that programmers would build in triggers, and so they would say, if this happens, then this will happen. So if you put your name in this field, then this email will be sent, if this then that. And all these triggers could happen, and you and I don't even realize how many times we're doing something on the internet, and an if this, then that is happening, because we click the right button, then all these other things magically appear on our screens, right? You know what? There's actually an if, then, then that that happens in our words, because many things are triggered and started because of something we speak. If I speak a word of death to my spouse, then a fight will break out, right? <laughs> if I tell my child no, all hell will break loose. Anyone ever felt that? If <laughs> I just... <laughs> this is really good marriage counseling. You're like, I have no idea. I came in and said, wow, you look terrible, and then they exploded. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, if this, then that. If, you see, our words have the power spiritually. The, the Bible is filled from start to finish that the words we speak begin to release something. They have power. They have life. You see, it was with the word that, 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 that God spoke, and light came, and life happened, and there is power if this, then that. And many of us in our life, we have these forest fires and destruction and brokenness happening, and we're wondering why it happened, but we don't recognize that it's we have initiated with our words, words of life or destruction. Uh, the, the scholar J.A. Moitier said this, the tongue is the key factor in controlling and controlled living. We ask ourselves how we are to control the powerful forces within us that drive us into sin. And James replies by talking about something we never considered. Do we control our tongues? Are we the masters of the master key? You see, the tongue, it's like a, a steering wheel or the rudder that steers the whole ship. It directs our life. And the first place to say, where can I get victory? Where can I begin to, to, to see wins in my life? I think it begins with winning the war before it starts, saying, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to speak that word of destruction, of gossip, of slander, of lying, of death, but I'm going I'm to win the war before it starts. And, and I would just ask this question, are there, if this, then that triggers 
you are putting into motion that need to stop. You see, I think we, we can so often minimize our words. And we just think, well, I, I just, ex- all I did is I just, they just, I just exploded on that worker at the store. It doesn't matter. I just had to vent my emotions. And that explosion opened a door of sin and, and, and death and destruction and, and bre- breaking people down. But the, the silence, the choice to, to control our emotions and walk in the fruit of the Spirit caused that trigger of sin to be stopped in its boots, to be stopped in its tracks. You guys, you guys all right? So verse 5 through 8 begins to say this, so also the tongue, it's a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. Can I hear an amen? A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. Every bird, you go drive 90 miles away to... um, a wildlife safari, and you get to see a whole lot of tamed beasts. But verse 8 says this, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, I just feel so blessed by this message. Mm, encouraged. You know, the second thought this morning is beware of the power. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There is power in the words we say. If you've been in Southern Oregon at all in the last 12 months, you know the power of a forest fire. That whether, it doesn't matter whether the the fire was started intentionally or unintentionally, in one spark, one place where fire should not be, and we know the destruction. We've seen it. How many of you learned very quickly that suddenly we were going, we need a better emergency alert system in southern Oregon, when you were beginning to watch that map and go, am I in the evacuation zone or not? Where am I? Where do I go? It seemed like no matter where you drove in the state of Oregon, every direction, it was like new fire popped up, new fire. And the Bible tells us that the tongue has a potential to be like a forest fire, that one word can unleash lethal, uncontrollable destruction. Marriages have been ended from one word that was given over to the enemy to just speak destruction and suddenly Boom, a forest fire to your marriage. Boom, a forest fire to your job. A forest fire to your family. A forest fire to the people around you. Anyone here ever experienced the power of an unyielded word? I have. And James is writing, he's saying, listen, the tongue, it, 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 though small, has the potential to unleash powerful Destruction, we've heard in our society one of the greatest lies of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yet, even in this room, many of you and all of us, our lives have been shaped positively or negatively by one word. How many of you have words that maybe you heard as a five, six, seven, eight-year-old that still play in your mind? That cause you to hold back instead of pressing forward? That cause you to not... Give love freely for fear of being rejected like you were through a word. 
And James is saying, listen, if you, this though small, there is great power. Beware of the power of what we speak. You know, Jesus, Jesus took our words very seriously, and these words caused me to, to trepidate at times. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus speaks to us. He says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Your words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Our words, Jesus says, they matter deeply. And it's very interesting because James begins to write, he says, hey, all the beasts in the world, they can actually be tamed. You see that crazed dog? You know what you love when you're like walking, on, you're in a leisurely walk in the park, and then someone's crazed dog is there? And they're always like, oh, don't, they love children. You're like, that's weird, they're foaming at the mouth. They love children. Has your dog ever seen a child before? They're, they're, they love them, you know? They're like, I, don't, you're, I think your dog actually hates, hates humans. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know that I trust your beast mastery on my child's life, just saying. And yet Paul, uh, James is writing and he says, you know, actually all the beasts... Uh, in the world, like, they can be bridled, but verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And this word, when you, you dive into it, this, it is a restless evil. It's actually a picture. The picture is of like a savage beast that even when leashed at any moment, it's ready to lash out or lose control. So James is writing, and, and, and the word restless, it's been well represented in the, the J.B. Phillips translation says it this way, this way, always liable to break out. So the picture that James is writing is that even when our tongue is bridled, I told you this message was going to be a little bit heavy. I, I warned you on the intake. You're like, where's the popcorn? Um, the picture that James writes, he says, even the tongue, when it's bridled, when it's, when, it's, when it's caged, when you're like, I'm being nice, I'm not saying what's on my mind, right? The picture is that it's a restless evil. At any moment, it has the potential to snap and devour. And he said, you got to be guarded. You gotta, we got to take what we say seriously. You know, I, I was nice for, for four months, and then I just went berserk on people. And, and, and it's uncaged, unbridled. And, and James is writing to us that, hey, beware of the power that lies within your mouth. Beware of the destruction that can happen. Man, I, I, I think we all, we, we all know the power of words, and yet I know at times I'm just careless with my words just speak without thinking how about the way we treat waiters and waitresses and service people just because they're not your child or your relative they're a human created in the image of God who deserve us looking them in the eye and speaking a word of life a word of hope a word of encouragement right they're, they're and so then it goes on, and, and you see this power where, you know, James is really painting it in the potential it has for negativity, and yet we know in Scripture that that same potential for destruction 
a tongue yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit, it can build life and righteousness. You can come in. You know, sometimes you need to prophesy. You need to speak life into what all you see is destruction. Anybody can, you know, Captain Obvious can be like, this is terrible. We're not going anywhere. Like, thank you, Captain Obvious. But it takes a person of faith to begin to say, our marriage is going to live. It takes a person of faith to begin to say, I'm going to speak hope over my child. Maybe the doctors are trying to write a narrative over them and say they have this, this, this difficulty going on in their learning. But you can begin to speak of them. You are smart. You, you, you have a future. Your mind is able to retain information. You can comprehend what you're learning. And you begin to speak, and there is power in yielding our tongue to build others up. And then it goes on in verse 9. You guys okay? With it we bless our Lord, verse 9 says, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. These things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and uh, fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I think this morning we need to check the faucet. You know, I think sometimes we say my words don't really matter, but if I gave you this fresh. Never open, you know, sealed water bottle, and then I just opened it up, I took a swig, and then I kind of, you know, spit it back in. Um, first, maybe like, that's weird, and I don't know that I want it, but you might be okay with it, of just a regurgitated drink, all right? Anybody <laughs> want that? Um, but if I came in here, and I, I began to take just, you know, hey, no worries, this is fresh, fresh water, it's had a little bit of my, re, my spit back in it, but I've got good, good germs or something, I don't know. But then if I took some salt and I began to put just a teaspoon and say, what's the big deal, a teaspoon of salt in your water? It no longer is just fresh water. It is now salt water, right? And, and if I just said, what's the big deal that I just put a little bit of soy sauce in here? It's, <laughs> you see, the problem is, is that fresh water is immediately polluted and changed with just one additional additive added to it. The minute I add something of salt or something of dirt or, or germs, the minute I go, right, how many of you know if you've ever been hunting and, and you say, well, hey, it looks fresh, it looks clean, maybe I'll take a drink. And some of you have wheel, welded, wielded the very horrible nature that happens of polluted water, Right? And you see, Paul, James is writing, I keep saying Paul, James is writing and he's saying that you need to check the faucet of your words because we don't get to just act like that was just one word of death and that was just one word of destruction and act as though it doesn't pollute the entire vessel of water. He says the faucet, you don't get to turn one element and it's fresh water and then, sorry, now I'm nice or now I'm mean and I turn on the mean spigot and then I turn on the nice spigot. There's only one thing that flows out and if it's not pure, then it's defiled. 
And he's saying, check the faucet, because it's not this on-off. I, I, I'm kind of nice with my words. I'm kind of not nice with my words. I, I kind of speak life. I kind of speak death. I, I, you know, in one moment, I, I, I just I curse God. In the other moment, I bless God. And in one moment, I say, uh, I speak words of faith. In the next moment, I speak words of fear. And, 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 and James is writing, he's saying, check the faucet, because what is coming out of your mouth is the true indicator of the state of your heart. It's either life-giving or it's death, but you don't get to choose on, off, on, off, on, off. Are you with me? And so we have to check ourselves. You know, it's easy. Um, if you go to a trainer, one of the first things they ask you to do is they say, write a diary of what you're eating. Because everybody that goes into a trainer is like, they're like, how do you eat? And you're like, I eat pretty good. I eat pretty healthy, right? Most people say that. They're like, I had a piece of broccoli two weeks ago covered in cheese sauce but it was broccoli. Most everyone eats good. And you know what the trainers do? They take you out there. Great. I, what I want you to do is for the next three days, I want you to write down every single thing you eat. And the next time you go to your trainer, you go, I eat pretty terrible. Let's be real. <laughs> because the minute you check what you do, because I think we actually trick ourselves to eat pretty well. We're like, I took a multivitamin. Everything's going to be golden. <laughs> but the minute you write down what you eat, you check the faucet of what's going in your mouth, it actually shows, I think I need to make some shifts. And I would ask, what was the tone of the last five conversations you had? Even coming into these doors, when someone said, how are you doing? Was your overwhelmed, busy, just crazy? Right? Like, Hey, how are your kids? The devil. I mean, they're great. <laughs> How's your new job going? Well, at least I don't have to stick it to the man today. I actually wonder, most of us were like, I'm doing great in my words, ask my spouse. And then you're like, wait, don't ask my spouse. <laughs> What's the tone? Because if we were to write down the last five conversations, would it be the faucet of life and faith and blessing and the word of the Lord on our lips? Is there a word of faith in our mouth? Is there a word of hope in our mouth? Is there a word of life in our mouth? See, I think God wants to come and say, stop pretending that you can play with words of death. Stop pretending that the words of death don't pollute every aspect of your life because they do. He says, it should not be so. You know, my son Wesley, he's almost three, and, and, and a few months ago, he started saying, what in the world? And he would say it, and he'd be like, what in the world? And we're like, who taught him what in the world? Just could not shake it. And finally, I think someone said, I, th I, th I think it's you. I'm like, and then I caught myself. I was, someone said, I'm like, what in the world? Like, oh, it was me. I think Allie ratted me out. She's like, I think you're the one that, that does that. And I think many of us, there is much, we start seeing the fruit in the people around us. Doom and gloom and everything's over and ah, it's horrible. And we're like, where are they getting that, these negative people? Like, wait, it's what I'm speaking over the airwaves of Facebook. It's what I'm texting every person. It's my, 
my prayer requests that turn into like rag sessions. Have you guys have you ever been at connect group? Someone's like, can you just pray that like the Lord would finally do something good in my spouse's life? Like, just believe it for manna from heaven. That's a weird prayer request, you know? That wouldn't happen to any of your guys' groups. I'm sure it's a church somewhere else, like not here, right? Check the faucet. May people come around us, not that we're phony, but that we would speak words of life. It's so easy to speak words of death, but it's, it's, a, it's a heart yielded to the Lord that comes in and goes, oh, you're going to make it. I believe in you. Words of faith, words of hope, words of truth, the word of the Lord. And here's the reality is that our words yielded to God may be small, but they are mighty. May we recognize that with a word, the heavens were created. With the word, Jesus told us in Mark 11, he says, hey, to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And he goes on. So you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Uh, With the word, you can begin to speak hope into people. With the word, you can begin to walk around your neighborhood and pray life with the word. You can begin to lift up our leaders and, and, and those in authority and begin to say, Lord, maybe I, maybe I love what I see. Maybe I don't love what I see. That doesn't matter. You said to pray for those in authority. So I lift them up. And with the word, things can shift. Come on, we can, with the word, it may feel small. It may feel insignificant. But that same word that can cause a forest fire of destruction can begin to unleash the power of faith that causes mountains to move, that causes circumstances to crumble, that causes situations to shift. It begins to cause marriages to come to life as you begin to declare faith where fear once dwelled, where you begin to declare faith where destruction once lived. Come on. And as the worship teams come up, the worship team comes up here. And our words have power. What are we speaking? What are we declaring? What are we believing God for? You know, I remember there was a season when, when Riley and I were first married. And, and uh, he was stepping into his career, and he'd just come out of college, and everything was new, and it was a different industry than he imagined he'd be in. And it was a lot to learn. I remember every day we'd grab hands before he'd go to work. And we began to pray together. And we'd pray for the day. And we still pray for each other. Try to every day before work. And we started to pray. And I remember we would just begin to say, Lord, I thank you that he is like Daniel. That he's found ten times better. That you're going to quicken his mind. You're giving him wisdom. And we began to speak. We could have sat there and been like, this is hard. We don't know what to do. This is terrible. But instead we began to speak words of life. And to call out to God who can move. And in that, all of a sudden, what seemed hard became achievable and, and life began to happen and faith began to stir. And some of us, maybe we need to stop gossiping in the office way and begin to speak life into the situation. We need to stop prevaricating and, and tearing others down and lying and slandering and begin to speak a word of hope. 
speaking words and checking the faucet might look like when you're in a group of people and you're just speaking evil of somebody that you stop the conversation and say, not, this will not be so among us. And you begin to speak words of truth and life. Our words, they may be small, but they are mighty. And as we land this morning, may we follow the perfect example of Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 21, it says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly, and it goes on. Jesus, the one who was lied about, he was slandered, he was spit upon, he was mocked. He literally had his persecutors and murderers in his face spitting upon him, lying about him, belittling him, mocking him, plucking the hair from his beard, whipping him, beating him, and in every moment of the cross, he never once spoke an evil word. He never once retaliated, and Peter tells us, follow the example of Jesus, the way he lived, the way he walked, and the way he talked. You say, but you don't know what was said to me. You don't know how belittled I feel. You don't know how betrayed I was. You don't know the people lying about me. Maybe not, but God does. And Jesus gave us the example to say that we can be those who even in the face of persecution and mockery, in those moments, our light shines very bright. When the world is spewing hatred, and maybe the best response is silence or a word of hope, a word of love, a word of life. Jesus, our Savior, gave us the example to follow. His faucet remained pure always and forever. It was never tainted with words of death, with words of destruction. So this morning as we land, would we do three simple things? Would we check the faucet of our mouth? What are we speaking? What are we declaring? Is there anything that needs to shift? May we surrender control of our words to the Lord. When I came and made Jesus the, the Savior of my life, when I put my faith in his finished work, and I gave him my life, I surrendered control. It's no longer Natalie's right to declare what I want to declare. It's, Father, what, what do you want me to speak? How do I respond in this situation? And may we begin to pray bold prayers of faith. May we hound heaven from Medford, Oregon. God's like, what's happening in Medford? They just keep declaring prayers of faith. I got to bless them. I got to pour out the windows of heaven upon them because they just keep crying out to mountains to move. What could God do with our prayers of faith? This morning, as you bow your head and close your eyes, You know, this Jesus who never spoke an evil word, he never lost control of his tongue, he didn't just come to save us in word only, but in deed. And he came to earth, and he lived a perfect life, and he took our sin, and he took our shame, and he took the punishment that we deserved and the death that we deserved, and he went on that cross in obedience to the Father, and he paid the price we could never pay. 
He bought our freedom. And this morning, if you came to this place, I want you to know that Jesus, he loves you with everything and he demonstrated his love on the cross by giving his life so we could have freedom and hope. And he didn't just die on the cross, but he rose again from the dead. And if you're here in this place and you say, Natalie, I need Jesus. I need a brand new life. I can't live this life on my own. I need Jesus to save me, to give me a brand new start. Then the Bible says simply to put your faith in Jesus, to believe that he is Lord, and to speak with your mouth that he is God, that he rose again from the dead, and you will be saved. If you're here in this place or watching online and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus, I need Jesus to save me, that wherever you are, would you just lift your hand right now this morning? You say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I'm putting my trust in you. Wherever you're at, just lift your hand, and we want to pray with you this morning. Every person in this room or on the live stream that's saying, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Amen. For the rest of us, if you're here and you just say, you know what? I want to yield my tongue for good. I want to speak words of life. I want to check the faucet and, and allow the Lord to align my words to his heart and to his ways. If that's your prayer, would you just lift your hands and we're going to respond as the MC comes. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, this morning we need your help. Lord, we thank you that our tongue, it, it indicates the status of our heart. So, Lord, we say search our words, search our heart. Help us, Lord, to use our words to build others up. Help us, Lord, to use our word to speak life. Lord, correct those places where our words have been bringing destruction and death. And may our words be small and mighty, bringing life and hope to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.